Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you guys. And uh, can we just thank our band and our team for what they offered to us. What a special moment. Great worship, great worship, great worship. Hey, this is probably my spot to mention too. I know um, our teams are growing. We had partners stepping in this morning and all of that. But um, we are also um, looking, always on the lookout for musicians. So if you're a singer, if you play an instrument, don't hide your light under a bushel. Okay, so if you want to apply for that, we would love for you to do that. Now, if you're not really good, don't do it. But I came to Keith a while back. I asked him, I said, um, man, I'd really like to sing. He said, just preach, man. Nobody wants to hear you singing. So anyhow, but that's the way it is. But all right. Well, I want to welcome everybody here. Welcome everybody online. Welcome all of our podcasts later, maybe listening to the message. Anyway, you're worshiping with us. We're glad you're here. And we're going to dive in. We are actually in uh, week six, say it, week six of a series. We're marching our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we are looking at, I think, the most compelling, uh, some of the most challenging words in the entire Bible, words that Jesus said. Uh, scholars believe Actually, many, many different times. So we think about the Sermon on the Mount traditionally in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, we have a form of it, a reference of it in the Gospel of Luke. And scholars believe that these were, this was not like a one-time event, but it was things that he was saying over and over and over again. And uh, still yet today, two millennia later, some of the most challenging things. How many of you have been challenged by some of the words of this sermon? that we've been offering. How, how many of you, come on, get your hands up, I want to see. So all of this stuff has is, is got some challenge for us, and we've got three weeks to go, and I'm feeling the, the, the burn, man, to just bring it. And so I want to do, do justice to what God is offering to us in these famous uh, words. I remember when I was very young in my walk with God, we had moved over here. My dad was in corporate management with Nabisco, and so uh, we moved uh, from Bradenton over to West Palm Beach back in 1978, and my dad, uh, leader of our home, said, okay, we're going to go church shopping, and we ended up at a little church over in West Palm Beach, which is now our East Campus. It was called Good Shepherd back in the day, and I remember when I was in that church and really growing, I had a friend of mine, we'd go surfing together, and uh, we, were, we were on parallel tracks of uh, growing in our relationship with Christ together. And uh, we, would, we would read the Bible uh, on our own, and then we would come together once a week and have breakfast together and talk about it. So this was a thing I was doing back in, in the day. His name was Court Patton. He married a hometown girl over there on the East Campus, uh, Tiffany Trexler. So Court and Tiff, if you're listening, love you guys. But uh, I want to see how many of y'all remember this. Have you been in Palm Beach County? How many of y'all have been in Palm Beach County a long time? You would say, okay, how many of you remember over on Congress Avenue, there was a restaurant called Ben's Barbecue? Man, I was, that's so cool to me. I just thought I would share that and people would go, first of all, they go like, where's Congress Avenue? So I'm, I'm excited that, 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 that you did that. But we, we would go over to Congress 
uh, to Ben's on Congress, and we would have breakfast together, and we would talk about the Bible together. And we, we, we were reading in the Scriptures one time, there was this phrase where I think the disciple said to Jesus, that he said something challenging. And he said, that's a hard teaching, who can accept it? The disciple said, and we, we picked up on that phrase. And so Court and I would read the Bible together, and then we'd come together, we'd eat breakfast, and, and we'd tell each other what we're learning. And a lot of times we'd go, that's a hard teaching, who can accept it? We thought we were so cool, right? And then, and then somebody, you know, he would say something, I'd go, that's a hard teaching. And we started to figure out, lots of teachings are hard teachings. Who can accept them? And this is what's going on right now uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're with us last week, uh, we, we took a moment to look at Christian spiritual things that we do that help us grow. And we look specifically not at what we do, but why we do them. And so if you want to go back and listen to that talk, that was a talk really on motives, like what's behind it. And Jesus was really inviting those who follow him, ultimately, that we play toward an audience of one. We submit our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and we, 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 become, we tune our lives up around what is most important to him. And here's the interesting thing. When we do that, everything else seems to fall in line. And so this is kind of what we're learning right now uh, in this series. We looked at motives uh, last year. And when we really sit under that kind of authority and learning to submit to God's Spirit, it's a challenging thing. I had a friend, a pastor of mine, a few years ago, he's, he's, a, he's one of these challenge guys. I like challenge, too. Uh, how many of you all like, you know, you like to be challenged a little bit? You like to do things that are adventurous? I have a friend of mine who's an adventurous guy. And I was talking to him one time. He's a pastor. He said, I, I said, tell me the coolest thing that you've done this year. This was a few years back. He said, I took some of my staff and we flew out to Yosemite and we hiked up El Capitan. I want to show you the picture of that. I said, challenging, challenging. And uh, he said, how, I said, how long did that take? He said, well, 19 hours for some of us to challenge. I said, so everybody went? He said, yeah, everybody went. Four people resigned when they got back. But he said, this is kind of the thing that happened. And I remember talking to him about that. We had lunch together. I'm driving back down to Palm Beach County. And I felt like the Lord just whispered to me and say this. He said, I felt in my spirit, God say, you know, Dale, my relationship with you, if you tune it up right, can be every bit that adventurous. And this is kind of the thing that we're going at right now uh, in this talk and in this, in this series. Uh, this weekend... Uh, on all of our campuses, what I want to do is I want to engage all of our partners and attendees and guests in a conversation uh, about what I think is the oldest and yet, frankly, the most obvious of all Christian spiritual disciplines, and I want us to talk about prayer today a little bit. And so I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, and remember, we're going right through the Sermon on the Mount, so we're right in the heart of it, we're right in the middle of it, we're in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to begin at verse 5, and which we read a little bit of, and then we're going to dip further down, and then a little bit over in chapter 7, talking about prayer. Here's what Jesus says. Listen closely. He says, And when you pray, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Like go into the room, like close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on like babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then over in chapter 7, beginning at verse 7, he says this, Ask. Okay? Ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened for Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. For which of you, if your son asks you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything due to others, what you would have them do to you, for this actually sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Uh, God, um, we need you. We sing it. Every hour, we need you. And part of the struggle and part of the tension in the room and online, Lord, is um, some of us are learning how to vocalize that to you. And so, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you meet us in this place? And we'd, we would just you know, humbly ask what the disciples asked so many, many years ago. Lord, teach us to pray. For we pray in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. How many of you all have heard a prayer? That's not a trick question. Uh, how many of you ever prayed before? <laughs> how many of you would say you struggle at prayer? Okay. Um, one of the great Christian mystics said, um, to breathe is to pray, which is, which is awesome. And yet there's a tremendous challenge in that because many of us struggle at prayer. And I'm going to make a confession. Uh, Keith said he's a control freak. I am a struggler at prayer. And uh, I have moments and seasons and experiences in my life where, to be honest and not in any kind of pastoral thing, admission, that I have felt the living presence of God when I pray. And uh, I have had moments too when I feel like my prayers are bouncing around the room. Anybody ever feel that way? Part of the human condition. Uh, part of what is an occupational hazard for a preacher is that sometimes you guys will ask us to pray. And I've learned many years ago that when people ask me to pray, I will normally, and you've experienced this, I'll pray for you right there. Because in my human condition, sometimes I forget. And then the next week comes and you'll go, thank you for praying. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like I'm kind of winking at God, you know, thanks for the... The, the grace there. 
And sometimes when I pray for you out in the lobby, Trevor and I talk about this, you know, you'll say, I, I want you to pray for me because I know you have a direct line to God. <laughs> and, and you guys have said that. And when you say that inside, I'm going, then we are in trouble. <laughs> the challenge is real. And by the power of God's Spirit, um, and because he loves us, Jesus has asked us to pray. Uh, and one of the things I want to say at the beginning of this talk, really, is I want, to, I want you to understand that here's some of the deep theology behind prayer. This is some of the kind of how the sausage is made. This is what I want you to think about. God has chosen by his sovereignty to limit some of what he accomplishes on the earth because of our prayers. Now, I want you to think of that. Some of what he wants to get done in our lives, in the lives of other people, in our town, in our world, is because he has um, chosen to restrict his power to the prayers of his people. Um, we will pray a prayer, uh, and we're going to do it in a moment. We'll pray the prayer, you know, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know why we pray that? Because his kingdom coming is not a foregone conclusion. He needs his people to pray. But we struggle. The struggle is real. And I have learned in my own journey and my own understanding about prayer that um that's not a limitation of God's power, by the way. I have learned this, that great leaders extend invitations and are not insecure when others contribute. It is an insecure leader that has to control everything. And so God has wired the world so that you and I partner with him. I almost feel like I want, to, I want to invite everybody, just let's just all take a breath, because that should just make us feel like, God, you want to, you want to partner with me? And so these are some of the most powerful things that I, I think we could ever know that he's wired prayer toward that kind of ideal in his sovereignty. He's created prayer so that we might know that we can have a relationship with God. When, when our girls were younger and we were beginning the experience of community of hope, I felt very strongly uh, uh, almost an internal fear that I didn't, I didn't want to mess up their walk with God by the way I led you as your pastor. And I knew a lot was going on in that moment. And I, I didn't want to, you know, be so involved in the ministry that my kids were never available to me. I've seen pastors do that. And I thought, I don't, I don't want to be that, that guy. And so I remember setting up back in the day, real, real early when our church was just starting, and we would do these events, and there was always a children's component to it. Uh, my good friend Jim Fayes, who's been in our church uh, for as long as I've been in our church, except one Sunday. I was there one Sunday longer than him. 
and Jim, um, and, and Jim, they had Jim and Kelly, a little boy named Chad, and, and, and we would come to these events, and I would lead you guys as your pastor, and Jim would take care of the girls. And then there was always a moment when, when I would turn off being a pastor, and now I'd focus on my two little girls, and then I would be their daddy. And we would just sort of trade that. I can remember when the girls were, were young, I, I, I wanted them, and I was working on messages at home. I wanted them to be able to interrupt me. Sometimes I needed their interruptions because I needed an illustration for the weekend message. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> when we dropped the lead center on our property, I told them, you can come in anytime you want to in the office. When they, uh, when, um, they would call me, I would answer and now sometimes when I call them, they don't answer. <laughs> and so this is kind of the thing that's going on. And, and this is like God to us. We sing a song about this kind of thing, that he's a perfectly, uh, perfect heavenly father, that he's inviting all of us in, and he wants that if we manifest faith in that direction, we can grow. And sometimes to me, um, if we're confused about prayer, if we had hard feelings about prayer, if we have no feelings whatsoever about prayer, what if the deeper question, you guys, isn't necessarily what we've discovered or how we feel, but what we haven't yet discovered and what we could possibly feel if we knew more about prayer? This is such an interesting thing. But we struggle. Years ago, uh, I, had to, I had to be a part of a, an, an experience, a conference that was hosted at Billy Graham's retreat center called The Cove. I think it's outside of Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And he created it as a place for people to come and just experience the presence of God. And uh, I was there for uh, a weekend experience and and uh, Beth and I were, I'm a lover of history, and so we were going around and, and uh, looking at these different historical setups about Billy Graham's life. He's always been kind of a hero to me. In fact, my favorite book I'll show you is a book uh, he wrote called Just, it's his autobiography, it's called Just As I Am. And, uh, and there were all these different setups, and so you could take this little tour. And one, one day we were taking this tour and um, we were walking around, and everywhere we went on this tour, which was this incredible experience, I don't even know how, how to tell you this, it's kind of awkward, there was this guy that was also part of the tour that was kind of, well, he got on my nerves, you know what I'm talking about, like when there's that kind of experience, and um, he just kind of, you know, we were, I'm trying to have this experience with Beth, and and he just kept interrupting, and like we would go, like we went one time to this place, and it showed one of Billy Graham's Bible and he goes, I bet you wish your Bible looked like that. And then he would do this weird laugh. He would say that, and then he'd go, <laughs> <laughs> And then a little bit later, like we were, we were um, looking at this beautiful pictures of this, like he was doing this evangelism thing. And he goes, I bet you wish you could evangelize like that. <laughs> And it was just starting to like really get on my nerves. And then finally we got to this place where, um, where they, they, had a, they had Billy Graham's actual traveling pulpit. It was the pulpit where he would, he'd been like over uh, like 50 different countries 
preach mil, you know, all these thousands of sermons in there, and you could actually get in the pulpit. I want to show you the picture, because there I am in the pulpit, and I'm putting my hands right where Billy Graham's hands were, and if you look real closely at my face, can you tell I'm frustrated there? Because the minute I am there doing that, this guy calls out, right when Beth is going to take the picture, he goes, I bet this will, maybe it'll make you preach better. (laughs) And I wanted to say, I wanted to say in that moment, well, have you ever heard me preach? But I was afraid he was going to go, yes, (laughs) like work on it, you know? But there was this one moment where it just showed all these different moments where Billy and his team was praying. And they were in prayer together. It just seemed like the whole thing is just covered in prayer. And, and, and Billy, Billy Graham was just, you know, his life was, you know, just sort of modeled that. And one of the displays was this guy that was interviewing Billy Graham about prayer. And he said, what's the most important component of your whole life? And he said, prayer. And the guy said, you know, you know probably callously, you know, like, well, how often do you pray? And Billy Graham's response right there in the article goes, well, I'm praying right now as I'm talking to you. And I, I remember thinking, man. And, and, and so, you know, this verse is Jesus' invitation for his people to pray. And, and we've, we know it. I mean, we've, we've learned it. We've, we've, we've memorized it. In fact, why don't we say it together, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, challenge moment. What if, what if Jesus gave us that prayer not just to memorize? What what if, challenge, what if, in a way, We've gotten that wrong. Now, don't, don't send me hate mail. I think it's a great thing to pray that prayer. But I do wonder, uh, because sometimes I think we can, we can participate in things and, and not really mean them. Sometimes I, I, I was reading an article recently that said the bandwidth of what people who self-identify as followers of Jesus still yet believe about the Christian gospel and the Christian experience is narrowing in some way. And so like we'll say things like the Apostles' Creed. And every now and again, when, when I'm ever in a place and they say that, I almost want to bounce up and say, stop, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And, and when I look at this prayer, uh, there, there are actually, I, I think there's some things that I want to say that I think are super important for us that Jesus is wanting us to get behind. And it's not just that we would recite it, 
but that we would see, I think, four movements within it. And I want to give you these four movements because I think, quite honestly, if we were to understand these four things at a deeper level and that we would just continue to lean into these, we would grow in our understanding, we'd grow in our ability, we would grow in our desire even to pray these four things. Number one, I see this in the prayer. First of all, I see what I would refer to as intimacy and reverence. Verse 9 says this, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and what I wanted, want you to notice real quickly is he begins with our Father. And, and like that's the first thing. And when I think about this, I think about in old biblical times in, 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 in the Old Testament, uh, many of the rabbis uh, still to this day, uh, but back in biblical times, would never say the word Yahweh out loud. And here's Jesus sort of turning everything over on its head and saying, here's how you come into God's presence. Call him the way he wants to be called, your father, daddy. And I recognize certainly that, that not every one of us had, um, you know, uh, great relationships with a heavenly, uh, with an earthly father, but our heavenly father, uh, is different. And he, and he begins the prayer by inviting us to call him dad. I always respected my father, but that didn't mean I was unnecessarily afraid of him. And this is what God is inviting of us. When I, when I first started in ministry, I started in a church in Stewart, and it was this really historic, beautiful church, and I learned so much about ministry, so many loving people there. But the, but, but the, the week I moved and started my ministry, I, I, I got my office set up, I, I met a lot of the staff, and one afternoon I, I snuck over to walk into the sanctuary. It was one of the first few times I'd ever gone into the sanctuary, and I was going to preach in that sanctuary in a couple of weeks, you know. And I went over there, and there was this big granite pulpit, and I was going to stand in that pulpit, and it didn't really fit me. I thought, man, I, I am not the guy to stand up in a pulpit like that. There was all of this. And then I, I walked around, and it was all just, in a way, kind of impressive and intimidating. And then I walked out into the narthex, into the lobby, and there was this huge sign. And this is what the sign said. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all of the earth keep silent before him. And I remember thinking, this is not my church. And, and even though there's, a, there's, there's something really important in that verse, it's almost in that way it was a misappropriation because if, if we're afraid of God, here's what I know, we'll not ever come to him. And Jesus says, when you pray, start with Father and then move to hallowed be thy name, which is a kind of respect. That when we pray, we recognize his name is separate, it's distinct, it's honorable, it's in a name like no other name. And we live in a culture right now that has done away with a lot of pomp and circumstance, and we're kind of callous and jaded, and there, there needs to be a reminder, right, that everything about our lives doesn't depend on us. Hallowed be your name. When I started um, Community of Hope, I was I, I, I worked really hard, and uh, there were days when um, I just felt like if, if I stopped, it would run over me. And I remember one one day I was talking to a friend, and I said, "Do you remember the the the, the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark?" 
And at the beginning of the movie, when he picks up the jewels, you know, and then he thinks he's got it, and he turns around to walk, and then all of a sudden this door opens, and here's this big ball that's coming after him. That's what I thought was me. And I thought, like, if I ever slowed down when we started Community of Hope, you know, um, because it's all dependent on me. If I stop, it's going to go away. And I had, it took some years to learn that's a lie from the pit of hell. And we all need spaces. Like we come in here. This is such a glorious moment to come in here every, every weekend and, and say, God, there are parts about my life that are not dependent on me. They're dependent on you. And can we thank God they're dependent on God? So I see reverence and I see intimacy and reverence. And then real quickly, I see request and surrender, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a reminder in a a way that God has the power and he's inviting us in this relationship to make our request, which is the idea that he wants to hear from his children. But there's also the idea of surrender, that, that the, we have to surrender the outcome of those requests to an infinite and powerful God. Some of us are living in the tension of that right now. Because we have prayers that we're still praying for people, for ourselves. And we learn that Jesus lived with an unanswered prayer, Right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that the cup of suffering would pass him. It did not. On the cross, he asked, why have you forsaken me? And there wasn't an answer. And in John 17, he prayed that his people would be one. And here's the thing. We're still not one. Jesus deals with unanswered prayer. And then I see giving and receiving. Matthew 6, 12, look at this. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father forgives. But if you don't forgive, he won't forgive. This is where we see prayer as a shared experience and relationship that involves giving and receiving. We bring our whole self to God. And then lastly, I see effort and I see grace. Ask, seek, knock. If you do a word study on prayer, church, um, you know what you find out over and over again? One of the main things about prayer that we're invited to do in the Bible, never quit, never stop. Keep praying. Keep the relationship going. Keep working it. Keep doing it. I counsel people in difficult relationship places where um, they're in one way inextricably bound in a covenant with somebody who has quit. And that is a particular kind of hell. To be in a relationship where you're striving and trying and the other person isn't. And that's, that's difficult. And God just invites us over and over and over again to pray and not give up. And so this is an important message for us because um, I, I think so many of us struggle 
And I think, honestly, if we were to see intimacy and reverence, requests and surrender, giving and receiving, effort and grace, and if we were to understand those things, we're going to learn to grow in our prayer life. And it just all begins when we just kind of pray what the disciples prayed. Lord, teach us to pray. Would you join with me in prayer? Uh, Lord, we're here. We're your people. And we ask that you would maybe use these last few moments as a space that we would bring to you our whole selves. And that you, by the power of your Spirit, O God, would teach us how to pray. For we pray in your precious, precious name. Everybody say, Amen. You know, Lord, our bold prayer would be that every single one of us would come to a place in a relationship with you, that we see you that way. And God, we would just, in a moment of honesty, uh, say that we're in various places on that trajectory. So would you help us and would you remind us and show us and grace us to realize that we can understand prayer is an important part of that, Lord. Thank you, you've created us that so that we may have a relationship with you. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Would you go in his grace and his mercy and we'll see you next weekend.